And the right partner encourages that, right? Like if Sheikh had once asked Deepthi, like, hey, like, what is your ambitions? Like, what do you want? Like, you know, like, how can I support you? If it, and I think maybe that's where her insecurity kind of hides that she'll see it. But at the moment, like, maybe she's like, felt so good to be chosen by this like token brown guy, you know, versus really asking herself, like, wait a second, is he like, is he supporting what I want in my family and, and, and respecting like what I, you know, bring to the table? and. Welcome to Is It Worth It? The Self-Worth Podcast. My name is Roshni. I'm the founder of Self-Worth Coaching and the CEO of Beti Grew Up, a content creation and coaching platform. This podcast and my work are dedicated to helping you become your most empowered self and to remind you to detach your self-worth from your external life experience. This is powerful work, and I am so grateful that you are joining me for another episode. To learn more, make sure that you head to the show notes below. And without further ado, let's hop into this incredible episode. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Is It Worth It podcast. I'm going to keep this intro short and sweet because this interview is a long one. It's actually an Instagram live that I did with my wonderful friend Roshni. Yes, we have the same name and we got together to talk about Love is Blind because this was the first season with an Indian American couple and this couple Deepthi and Abhishek had such an interesting story and plot line and there was so much to dive into about South Asian culture and about being an Indian American and self-trust and relationships and what South Asian society has taught us about all of these things. So we wanted to talk about their experience and them being a couple together and there are going to be spoilers up ahead so if you haven't watched it I highly recommend checking out this season first. Or if you don't care about how it turns out, then definitely tune in because this is such a beautiful conversation. And before I talk for too much longer, I just want to remind you that this Wednesday, March 30th, I'm hosting a donation-based workshop for all of my wonderful South Asian women and femmes out there in my audience. We are going to be talking about what is our inner critic? How do we find whose voice that is? How do we start making our negative self-talk and our self-doubt turn into positive or neutral self-talk? How does learning all of that and deconstructing the conditioning that we've learned from South Asian society, how is that going to help you find your authentic self? So there's some really interactive exercises and kind of a group coaching atmosphere in this workshop. If you are unable to attend it live, I will be sending out the recording. So if you're interested, make sure that you go to the link in the show notes so that you can register for that event this Wednesday. And if you are listening to it after this Wednesday or you're unable to make it, I am still keeping the doors open open for Not Your Betty until April 9th. So Not Your Betty is my online course. It is a self-paced module course plus a group coaching program. So the group coaching is going to be on live Zoom calls. We haven't determined the time yet because I want to create it based on everyone's schedule. So if you're interested, make sure that you join and we will work the schedule around you. But this course is really dedicated to learning what South Asian society has taught you about self-sacrifice and putting others before you, 
about determining your worth and your roles from your identity as a mother, daughter, student, and how you can kind of let that fall away and learn who you authentically are. Some of these things may align with who you authentically are and some parts of you may be completely unseen because of what you've been forced to be instead of our society just welcoming who you authentically are with open arms. And that's why this is a group coaching program for South Asian women only. Everyone in the world can benefit from self-trust, but I wanted to create a container just for South Asian women and femmes so that we can support one another, create a positive community of folks who are healing their generational wounds and creating a community of like-minded women and femmes who are doing this work is so important so that we can reconstruct the ideas of judgment that come with South Asian society and instead create ideas of fulfillment and deep, deep connection. So I hope that that excites you as much as it excites me. As I said, it's going to be open until April 9th. The link to join will be in the show notes and there are half scholarships available. I kept this course as low cost as I possibly could for everything that is included. It also includes lifetime access for any other year that you want to rejoin. But there are half scholarships available. So if you feel like this work is beneficial for you, I truly want you to be able to join and benefit from the work that is being done in this course. I also do have payment plans available with no extra fees or interest or anything like that because this work is so important and I want everyone to be able to benefit from it. So there is a contact form on my website if you believe that a scholarship is right for you. Go ahead and fill out that contact form with just your name, email, and letting me know that you're interested in a scholarship and we will go from there but I am so excited for this course to come up this spring and I truly hope that I can see you there we just wanted to talk about love is blind because like first of all the first Indian couple on love is blind like we have to talk about that yes totally there's also so many good themes of like self-worth and self-trust that come up when we are like just by watching the show but just like topics about South Asian society that also come up yeah. as we're watching it. So yeah, we both felt like we had so much to say. Um, totally and agree. this episode, if you are starting to listen or you catch us like halfway through, it'll all be uploaded as a podcast. So if that's easier for you, just watch out for that later. But um, yeah, I guess we can just start with like first thoughts, unless you had something else to, to say or start Yeah, with. I think um, initially it's always amazing to see brown representation on mainstream TV and music and, and just in general, it's very cool. Um, and it just feels so, it's, it's so sad that that's such a big deal, but it's such a big deal. Cause we not, we're not used to that. Um, and at the same token, um, unfortunately or fortunately they become the face for all South Asians. And it, it just feels, um, it's an interesting perspective on how I want to be represented, how I feel about things and how different that could be from other South Asians. Right. But then there's like one token person is representing all of us or um, so I, to be really honest, I loved, I love the show because it allows it's, it's been allowing so much honest dialogue around what women want in relationships, what, you know, our South Asian values versus American values versus just personal feminist or just you know values around 
equity or whatever. I don't know. If, I don't know. I just feel like it brings in so many different topics um, under something that everyone is watching, right? So it's just like a less intense platform to kind of create dialogue that I don't, I don't think people int intended for this case, right? It's not like a bachelor, bachelorette, where it's just kind of cheesy. Um, yeah, so I'm curious kind of where your thoughts are and what your overall experience was when you were watching it. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It, it is kind of crazy to like boil all these different experiences and perspectives down into like one man and one woman. But um, I mean, I was mainly just like excited that they were there, period, which speaks yeah. to what you were saying about representation. Like it is so like few and far between that like whenever it happens, I feel like the whole community gets super excited, but it did kind of confirm some things about like our Indian men problematic are like, are, you know, so like a lot of questions like that, which aren't stereotypes that I want to hold. Like, I don't want to yeah. be like, yeah, my community sucks. <laughs> like, that's like a terrible yeah. thing to think. And I don't actually believe that, but like it did kind of push us to reflect on some of those issues and some of those ideas like what do we really believe what do we teach our children and like yeah also a lot of the things that we are taught as kids like get good grades be smart blah 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 like of course those are important and you could see that with her being like an information analyst or something and yeah. he was a vet so you could see that like how that manifests but I think what it also shows us is yes, you can get good grades. You can be on a sports team or whatever your parents want you to do, but that doesn't mean that you're going to like be a good person yeah. <laughs> or that doesn't mean no. that. Yeah, totally. And, and I feel like, um, I don't know if you ever had to go through the dating, like Indian dating process or bio daters or whatever. Like there was a time and a place where that made sense, but it, this like idea of women being a commodity that's being exchanged, like it's so obsolete, especially as we become, just so progressive and 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 we're doing more we're not dependent on these relationships to build families anymore or to build unions or to build financial wealth i mean i'm sure that still happens um at least in america we're lucky and, and i think fortunate enough um you know my my mom never wanted that life for me she wanted me to choose and have choice and and be educated and independent but culturally dating in the in my experience in dating in the South Asian realm, there's still like this invisible checkbox, right? Of, of perfectionism. That's just not realistic, right? It's like, you can't, it's, there's no room to figure things out. You're supposed to be this perfect package. Look good, be smart, make good money. What your parents do, what your siblings do, what kind of pets you have, like, like all these resume builders. And, you know, for a long time, I really bought into that. Like, you know, I was trying so hard to be this perfect representation of my parents' legacy, right? Because it's a big burden that you carry, that you're raised as a woman, you're like being handed off to someone else's family. Like, you know, growing up, my dad would always say like, what would your in-laws say? And I was like seven years old. I'm like, I don't, I was always conditioned that way versus being, you know, I think my dad has seen me kind of go through uh, heartbreak and, and now he's like, are you happy? Like, are you, like, I want you to be happy. Like, are you, are you feeling safe in this relationship? And I think that's where the shift in the dialogue has to be is like, like you said, like you can have all the per paper, perfect, you know, um, trademarks, but are you able to hold space for someone in their imperfectness? Or are you able to speak up for yourself when you feel like, like you feel worthy enough to speak up for what you need? Um, I don't think our culture has yet 
it's shifting, but I don't think we do a good job of empowering women um, or empowering, you know, our community to speak up when they don't align with society's norms. Yeah, I love the last thing that you said, because I feel like that's what it all boils down to. It's like you're not empowered to question things, to say things, say what makes you comfortable or uncomfortable. But that is because your whole job is to make yourself as easy as possible for everyone else. Like this whole idea of like be accommodating, be adapting, like be this quiet person. Like the only reason you're quiet is so everyone else can talk around you or talk above you, you know? Yeah. And so all of those things are pushing you to basically be invisible but yet like also be this invisible maid who's like tidying things up and taking care of the children and doing all these things yeah and it's just so unfair and like I I kind of wonder like would there be a way in which like this whole like Indian matchmaking situation could happen that wasn't problematic like do you think that's even possible yeah you know I like was observing like how supportive she was and, and Deepthi I'm talking about um but all the women in the relationship, I mean, I just feel like there's like this, uh, this space to forgive and this, and this, you know, this role to kind of meld and accommodate what the man, you know, what a man who seems awesome needs. And, and I, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that question, I think, because um, it, it just, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, I think the more and more we have, public stories that don't fit the norm um because even this is even though it's you know special for us the representation it's still a very conventional you know upper class representation of south asian culture and um that's awesome and problematic if that's all people know and represent are are seeing right it's kind of like how the bachelor is problematic for so many reasons because it's not very realistic um, I think Love is Blind does a better job of being a little bit more raw. And it's in Chicago where I'm from. So it was definitely cool to see spots that I know and hang out at. Um, but I think, you know, with the incorporation of social media and just, um, there's just, I don't know, I, it's hard to kind of pick apart what is authentic and what's the person versus the experience versus the reflection period. Yeah, I don't know if I answered your question exactly, but um Yeah, I don't know if there's a good answer for that yet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there is either. I feel like a lot of it is just like, how do you get to know someone quickly? And the way that you get to know someone is, what do they do for a living? What do they look like? Blah, blah, blah. And so I don't know, like, unless there was some sort of way that people were getting to deeply know each other, or it was like family friends that existed for a long time, and they happened to be compatible. But I feel like for so many of us getting married, it's like this... It, it, it becomes your parents' problem. You know what I mean? It's not about like yeah. you. It's not about finding love. It's just how can we control this as much as possible? How can we push you into this narrative of things that's going to make us look good? And it really... I just feel like there's not really much value on love. It's kind of like, oh, if you get, you know, if you're arranged into this marriage and things work out really well, you'll learn to love that person. Like, yeah. I've heard that so many times. Yeah. And, and to be honest. That can be beautiful. Yeah. But sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say, um, even that part of it, like, yes, you can learn to love them and that can be beautiful, but it's also something that like, it comes secondary to everything else. And it's like, as long as everything looks good on the surface, then you can privately have that love if you happen to find it. But like, that's not our priority. And I think yeah. that's really frustrating for people like us and people growing up in this modern day and age. Like we have everything else. Our women work, we do all these different things. So now on top of everything that I have to do, I can't find love yeah and so this is what I was gonna say is you know I don't know about you but I feel like growing up as an Indian American you know I was encouraged to you know pursue my dreams and work hard and be creative and you know like have my own ambitions and then it, it felt like kind of and I'm not married or you know I don't know if it shifts but at least in my friend circle and in my dating experiences it feels like almost that's supposed to be like a hobby when I get married like I'm conditioned to be independent until I'm someone's wife and then I'm supposed to all of a sudden you know accommodate that and 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 I did that in almost all my past relationships I you know adapted to where they want to live what job they have and what what they want for lunch and what their family needs you know it's just almost it's kind of embarrassing to say but I just that's just how I operated right adapt 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 like let go compromise and um yeah I think for me personally like I'm older now experience wisdom there's there's wisdom in what our parents said like love is not enough 100 percent. i agree and i don't know if love is blurry but um i will say that there is more than just love you, you need values you need someone who is equally curious i think i i now understand that uh, you need someone who has strength to withstand things that aren't perfect or aren't hard. you want room for imperfection you know you want to be fully present in your relationship and I never learned that. Like, I think part of my journey to self-trust and, and my own um, experience of, of what I need, unfortunately, has to go through heartbreak. And I think watching Deepthi kind of go through that was so beautiful because it wasn't like, you know, all of us are screaming at the TV, but she can't see that. So you really see her journey through this experience of like something in my gut doesn't feel right, but like, I want this to work or like, no, no, like I see the best in him. And, and you know, like she really toiled with this idea and and I, I resonate with that because we're raised to be you know really nurturing and empathetic and it wasn't about it, she never in at least in the tv show and the editing she never stopped to ask what she actually wanted like I never saw that you know it was like hey like what what am I doing what are you giving to me in this relationship and I think that takes unfortunately it's not something that we're conditioned with so it takes heartbreak to get us there yeah, that's such a good way of putting it. It does take heartbreak and it does take someone triggering you to feel like, to make you feel like you're not enough or you're not something. Because that ultimately was something she was like, people told me from like other cast members told her what he was saying about her. But a big part of like what he was saying, she didn't even know until she came back for the reunion and the show had been released. So like yeah. her walking up to that um altar or whatever for the wedding and like actually saying no like it was such a beautiful thing I feel like it's like our own little like fairy like princess fairy tale yeah. that we got to like watch but you're so right because she didn't ask herself like what makes me feel good and like you could kind of see like in the first part where they were in the pods or whatever they were talking she was like oh he's a doctor like we'll be doctor and missus and you could kind of see like 
we want to kind of go look at the surface level things and look at what everyone else is going to see and be impressed with and what looks good on Instagram and, you know, all those things end up like, and it makes sense. Like it is a first impression. You're not going to know everything. And some of those, like, I guess it could feel good, but I just still, I don't know. I feel like it started out with that. Oh, everyone around me is going to be so impressed with what's happening and then transitioned into wait, what the hell do I want? And what's the reality of this? And yeah, that's why I feel like, like how you were saying earlier, your dad asks you now, like, are you actually happy? That's something that's so important because like my parents never asked me that when I started dating my partner, but they needed all these requirements from him or needed to like make X amount of money and this and that. And like, granted, like when we first started dating, we were 21 and 20. So it wasn't like we were well established in our career. And so, you know, because of that, like it, that's something that still to this day haunts me because I'm like, you didn't even ask how he treats me or you didn't ask anything about that. You just need him to make this amount of money. But like you could have someone who makes a ton of money and is literally financially abusive to their partner and it could result in this terrible power dynamic. And I just, I feel like you don't see the space for your parents to be able to guide you through situations like that or be there for you in those kinds of things. And I don't want to give you the false constraint. I think your parents only know what they know. And um, I personally have seen and experienced a lot of, you know, emotional abuse or or violence. And and it's not this like apparent, you know, slap across the face, right? It's the talking down to someone. It's the withholding the respect, essentially, right? And and I think, unfortunately, um, this ties into I don't know if it's just South Asian men or if it's just all men of color or men that, you know, come down from, you know, generations of, of suffering and struggle that they don't have the emotional role models that, you know, maybe someone who, I think this generation is changing. Like I see a shift and maybe it's because I'm just more aware of it too, but there's, I feel like my nephew is like really open about being sad or crying, you know, or uh, there's just more awareness of like, feelings and emotions because we're now raising these next generation of men but in my age demographic right 25 35 or whatever I don't know any Indian uncle that's like giving their son a hug and saying you know there's like none of that like that emotional framework um and I'm not blaming anyone but I think that that is problematic when we're navigating relationships that aren't like our parents right we don't we don't want this inequity. We're not working. We're not struggling towards some redemptive, like we're very blessed that not, now we get to build the life we dream of, not the one we're surviving. And so I think that awareness is really hard to understand if you don't understand. Like, I don't know how to teach someone awareness. Um, mm-hmm. And we see this, right? Like Shake has a house and a Tesla and all these fancy things and is checking all the boxes on paper and he's, just checking a box for our wife because he feels like he has to, but mm-hmm. he lacks self-awareness. He lacks introspection. He lacks, you know, it seems like life is always, it seems as if, I don't want to assume, I don't, you know, want to vilify anyone, but it seems as if like he's never heard the word no and he's gotten his way. And in that sense, like he's not had the opportunity to reflect on who he is as a human and how he, how he treats women he may think he treats women fairly, but how he actually behaves, right? Your actions aren't aligning with your words. And that takes self-awareness to be aware of. And we're not, we're all, we all do this sometimes, you know, no one's perfect, but it's, if you're not getting better, then what are you doing? You know, it's, what's the point of this? 
Yeah. And he was getting to that place of being introspective for like a hot minute. And I was like, can you just stay here? Can this just like be who you are? Because like, if you did say those problematic things, but then you thought about it and you were like, wait, that's fucked up. I put that same pressure on myself. I expect it out of women. That's actually something that I don't want to condone anymore. And you start backtracking and like really thinking about what you're saying and expecting. That's a good thing. Like we could have gone from there and he could have just grown and it would have been this amazing scene to watch on tv where like yeah, it would have been a beautiful romantic story like this yeah. evolution of- yeah and even like more he could have been that man who does that and could have been that example for other men to come after like you know what it is okay you can be like this and you can still get the girl like yeah you know but he like it was almost worse that he brought himself to think about those things and then like moved away from that you know and like he kind of was like validating that he didn't think about those things as much during the reunion as well. He was like, yeah. Oh, you know, but like, I mean, I guess that's where the whole love, love is blurry part came from, but he's like, yeah, I do want to know what they look like. I want to know blah, blah, blah. And it just is so frustrating. Like, I didn't think everything he said during the reunion was even bad, but it is so frustrating that like, I don't know. I'm just glad that his mom did say something and his mom was like, I'm on her side. Cause it it gave me the vibes of like, your parents treated you like a God, your entire life. You never did anything wrong. You have this job that you can hide behind. You have the money that you can hide behind. And so no one's like holding you accountable for anything. And it surprised me that his mom said that, but I hope his parents like doubled down on that. And I'm also, sorry, last thing. I'm glad that calling him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm glad that Deep D's brother is calling him out and her whole family is because like yeah. come on, dude, you could do so much better. Like even if you didn't work out, it's not about the couple not working out. It's about the it's fact that you, he, it's your character, yeah. That's how you yeah. react. Yeah. He went and I, I think what frustrates me about the show is that like we all know Shake. Like but he's like yeah. I call him a category four Indian man. Like <laughs> I and I don't think that I I don't I truly like think there's amazing south asian men out there and and i i know a bunch and they're my friends and like they're amazing and and they're progressive and they are social justice oriented and they're like i just um and i don't want to i mean yeah no i just feel like I, I think i was cringing because i'm like this is the guy like this is the guy you see it like it's just you know this guy you see him at the weddings you see him out at bars you see him on social media it's like I don't think he's even aware aware of how much he hates his own culture and his skin, you know? And it's like, I get it. Like we all go through a phase in our life growing up, like we're, we're maybe ashamed of being a child of immigrants or, you know, we're shamed and thinking we're not beautiful or attractive or whatever. And, you know, he was overweight or whatever the story is. Like we have these wounds that we, that were within us and they shape us. Of course that that's human nature, but I'm sorry, you're 35. Like you haven't, I, to me, it's almost like a slapping your parents in the face. If you don't like, and your aunt in the face, like to, to shame her that, that this, you don't find this attractive. And, and, you know, we see this across a lot of Asian cultures, but this like self, um, this like denial of like value to the, your own culture. And, and I'm not denying, like, I'm all for interracial love and and inner faith love and inner gender love, whatever, like love is love, do what you got to do. Um, I just feel like not at the cost of shaming yourself. Like to me, it's almost like he, he didn't love himself enough to like, he didn't like what was reflected in, the, in his mirror, you know, and, and relationships are always a mirror. And, and 
yeah, I think I think that's what really bothered me. It was like I know a guy like that. We all know guys like this, and and I just I think the whole time I was watching, my mouth was like like I was just like jaw to the floor of like oh like he's actually gonna say this. Like I know it's gonna come out of it. Like I, like I knew this is who he was, but I didn't think he would like. I thought he would show face a little bit, be more charming. But I was like, oh, and this isn't even a good edit. Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, but um, quick question: Did you ever watch Family Karma? No. Okay. I watched um, like an episode, but I find it it was like, I don't get get into it. Yeah, there was just a guy in that who had the same kind of thing. Like, his name was Brian, and he was so, like... Oh, I know Brian, yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he would kind of... But he was more open about talking about internalized racism and stuff. But just on the topic of, you know, people who are... Like like you said, we've all been there. But it, there comes a point where you have to learn to love yourself and learn to accept yourself. And there was a point where Deepthi said, like oh, I'm glad that we met in the pods because like, I feel like if we were all in a room together, he never would have picked me. And I'm like, but you're so like beautiful. Like, it's not like you're like ugly or like the one standing in the background who's like, oh, yeah. like, there's nothing wrong with you in any way. That, like if you were to compare her to anyone else on the cast, you know, but it just is so frustrating that she was like, yeah, like, he wouldn't have picked me. I mean, like, that's almost her also acknowledging that same feeling of, like, internalized racism and feeling like, yeah. you know, she's not enough or she's not attractive. And they're, I think, like, do you think that they kind of fed into each other with that? Like, but I feel like if they had truly loved one another, it kind of would yeah. have dissolved that. But there was something, like, being triggered in both of yeah. them that maybe was just not. Well, I think relationships are always going to trigger you. Like, your relationships are meant to be mirrors and they're supposed to open up wounds and insecurities and and honestly I resonate with that right because maybe Deepthi didn't grow up being a conventionally like hot you know girl and and or the cool whatever like and and she's beautiful of course because she had the glow up whatever we all have a glow up but I that inner like 13 year old awkward dorky self at least for me is my I was like oh like you're looking at me like you like me like what like I I'm so baffled sometimes right and it's not that I lack confidence it's not that I like don't think I'm beautiful it's just that like it's such a vulnerable space you know that attraction and chemistry and and opening up and I think it opens up that vulnerability it opens up this like wait you think I'm beautiful and not that I need the validation but like you want to hear the words you know like this like inner child teenage self comes out and I thought that was so sweet of her um to acknowledge like hey like like you know I think she, it, she went through this journey also of, of this like that inner, whatever, whatever she experienced as a child or whatever opened up and she was a little bit insecure. And then she's like, yeah, I'm a little bit insecure. Maybe like he wouldn't have picked me in the room, but I'm fucking a badass and I'm here and he's like, doesn't know what he's missing. Right. And I think that for me personally, is how I took it was like this self-awareness of her own evolution. Like she wasn't cocky and arrogant. She's like, you know, still a little awkward figuring it out we're all fumbling dating is so vulnerable and so awkward and I don't know like sometimes I miss arranged marriages I'm like I just the process is so hard you know like you don't know what the other person's thinking and feeling what their what their wounds are what's triggering them what experiences are and you're building safety and trust while you're opening up like it's a lot of factors um and so yeah I I, I thought that was 
definitely an opportunity for her to heal something for herself, right? Like, and to see all the love that she's getting now, I hope that she realizes like, it's not just in her head. People will see her beauty. Yeah. And I'm sure it does feel so validating for her to be like, wow, people like not even like, yes, see her outer beauty, but also like respect that she's enough alone. And like, I was so proud of that scene with her and her mom. Like the fact that her mom was like, no, I get why you did this. Like, I support you fully because so many of our moms like wouldn't have said something like that or wouldn't do things like that. And, or even just your family in general, like we were saying at the start of this live, like it's the ultimate priority is to get married. It doesn't matter with who or how they treat you or if they love you. Right. And so like for even that was kind of like a moment of like maybe generational healing in some way of like, wow, Indians can feel this way or like South Asians in general can like have this moment of not putting all of these fake measures above the well-being of their kids and like now even in the aftermath to see her family like continue to go out on a limb and support her and say that's not okay because for a lot of us like our families would just take the guy's side even if like we clearly were hurt they'd be like you know we love you but like you could lose a few pounds or you could do this and that and like that's so hurtful and I feel like that's where this intersection of South Asians and black sheep also really lives is like that priority prioritization of the checklist over your humanity. And it's so like, what is that? (laughs) I, so I went through a break when I went to my last breakup, I like never knew what the word gaslight was. And then when I learned it, like no one taught me this language of relationships, right? No one teaches you. I don't know why we don't study this in school. And once I learned that word, I was like, holy F, I didn't even know I was being like, I don't want to say the word abused, but like, I I didn't even know that I was being manipulated in this way. And because so much of it was like constantly like, well, what am I doing wrong? Like I, I can change, I can adapt, I can fix. And no one stops to be like, you know, and this is like friends, society, parents included. No one's like, oh, like he is A, B, and C. Even if he is like, oh, you know that already. Like, but you don't you want to have children? Don't you want to get married? Blah, 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 blah. Right. It's like all this pressure. And, um, I think the only thing that like pressure works for diamonds, it does not work for hearts. Right. Like it just doesn't make sense to put so much pressure on this perfect image. Um, yeah. And, and I, I love that her mom, I think her, I mean, I was surprised. Okay. Well, I will digress, but I was shocked by it how modern and open and loving these parents were because I would never, I don't even have the galls to hold someone's hand in public. So like that, I was like, Oh wow. Like this is progressive. Like we're getting there. Um, but I, I mean, their parents watch her. them like make out on TV. I like, know. Whoa. Like you can't even watch that on a Bollywood movie and they're watching. No, you. I'd be like, where's, the flower cover, where's the rain dance flower number to cover up <laughs> yeah. the scene? Where's the yeah. You know, I wish they talked more about their culture. I feel like it was like a label they took and like it was like brushed over, but there wasn't any like nuance uh, outside of like dressing in Indian clothes and eating Indian food. I didn't really hear them have dialogue about like growing up South Asian American or I, I wish I wish they had more of that. Um, it's one of my like it was like, oh, like, that's kind of missing, but maybe, you know, not enough time to edit or whatever. Um but yeah, I, I just, I don't even know I lost my train of thought, but I, I just feel like 
that whole dynamic with her parents was really just beautiful to witness and, and to see her family just um, really want the best for her, even though she's 30, you know, like, I think I remember being 29 and feeling that stress and that pressure. And the older I get, the more I'm like, oh, what a joke. The society puts this pressure on you. So you feel inadequate. So then you're forced to settle for bullshit. Sorry, I'm crossing. But like, versus where I think the older I get, the less I care people think. And the more I'm like, well, what do, what does, what does Roshni need? Like, what do I want in a partner? And what kind of support am I looking for? And like, I don't actually need someone to do A, B, and C for me. I need someone to be able to like be there and be strong and, and, and independent and loving and, you know, have the capacity to hold space and, you know, the capacity to go through hard, unperfect things, you know? And, and I think that's not something I would have asked 10 years ago on someone I was dating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It takes you down this false road of like, you start getting married or looking at people who would make your parents happy, who would look good at functions, who could answer all the questions that like, anytime you walk into a function with a new group of people or like, you know, people that you haven't met yet, they're always like, okay, like, how old are you? What do you do? Where do you live? And it's like these same basic questions. And in some ways it can kind of be like nice, I guess, but in other ways, like if you have anything that's non-traditional in any way, it ends up being this whole thing where you have to explain it or you have to justify yeah. it or people push you on it. And it's like, dude, this is my life. Like, why can't I just breathe and be myself? Like you, I can't, you can't ask me questions and then not accept my answer. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? But then oh, like, they can't you get back. Yeah, yeah, they can't. And it's kind of like the goal is like to marry a doctor and to be a doctor or whatever, but it's like, okay, but then you have to know that like you could be at your 10 year anniversary and they could be on call and they could have to go. And there you are sitting alone. Like, and I'm not saying like, you know, that any sort of like job is bad or that they're bad people or whatever, but I'm just saying like, there's like kind of a side to it that you're not looking at because it's impressive to say, Oh, my husband's a doctor or this. And And someone could be an entrepreneur and have $0 to their name. Like it's, yeah these are just words you know I get it totally yeah, yeah. And, I, and I feel like also like people don't know what to I don't even know where this started from and I hope this shifts but I think like when I go to weddings or events and I've been saved the past two years thankfully but I'm going back out you know mingling and people the updates they want from you are who you're dating if you're having children it's like they want these like like these like defined updates that they understand and my life is really nuanced and like, it's actually very full outside of a relationship. Even if I was dating someone, I don't want anyone to ask me about it. If I want to share, I'll share, but like, that does not define me. It's not an accomplishment. It's not something that I've, you know, like feel worthy of like updating you on. Right. Like what I want to share is like, yeah, like this is what I'm learning right now. And this is where I'm growing. And like, Oh, by the way, I'm like exploring astrology or tarot or whatever. Like, you know, I want to have dialogue and, when I lived in India for a year, like all my friends were like that. Like we were all NRIs living in India and everyone's like, oh, like, you know, we had talked about social justice issues. There's a war. There's like a lot of stuff happening in the world to talk about. And I had these dialogues and I was like, wow, you don't even care if I'm dating someone. Like, it's just such a relief. Right. And it's, it's almost like when I first had my first Brown friend and they just understood things about me. I was like, oh, what a relief. I don't have to like explain myself to you. Right. And and I think, you know, once you have a taste of that, it's really hard to go back to the shallow dialogues that society mm-hmm. is used to. And and I, I understand it's not anyone's fault. No one has bad intentions, but it's just exhausting. 
it's like there's so much more to people than what they do for work, who they're dating, how much money they make. Like, I want to know what makes your heart sing. I want to know what, you know, brings you joy. Like, what are you, what's your hobby? Like, how are you expanding yourself? Um, and that's what really I, that's what I prioritize now, you know, to understand mm-hmm. that. Yeah, same. Exactly. That makes so much more it leads to a more fulfilling relationship completely, but also even with like, like how they were in the pods in love is blind, like how you mentioned, like, I wish they talked more about being South Asian. They could have easily bonded so much more and so much better talking about like, wow, we both know what it feels like to grow up around only white people. We know what it feels like to experience internalized racism. We know what it feels like for all of our past partners to be white or blondes or whatever they said. And they're choosing not to like, capitalize on that and like celebrate the fact that they found each other with such a similar experience but also a similar background like there was so much in that that could have worked and then it was the superficial marketing stuff that ended up tearing them apart which is so frustrating like yeah yeah, I mean he could find someone that looks good now that's not going to look good in 10 years and it's the same thing all over again you know yeah so like I don't know but yeah like they're like things like resilience or what you were saying earlier about like someone being able to handle the imperfection with me handle that like the mess messy parts of life like that you can't teach someone how to do that you know like yeah you can you can kind of teach someone how to be in a relationship with you in some ways but like you can't teach someone how to be a good person how to like not run away when things get hard like and that's what we should be prioritizing instead of you know okay like because you being a doctor, like, yes, that brings money into our household, but what is that actually doing for me? Yeah. Not a damn thing. Like, yeah. honestly. Yeah. I mean, like, and I get our parents wanting stability. It makes sense for that generation to want that because they didn't have that. And I understand it's a very privileged space to sit here and be like, what does my heart desire? Right. Because it's a privileged space. Like if I wasn't in this space, I'd want a financial partner to, grow my abundance or whatever fine you know like that I get that mentality it's just that like we have to look at our parents and our gener- and our ancestors and we have to do better right and in, mm-hmm. and that means like I don't know like your hobbies just can't be like partying like it, there's so much happening in the world like what are your what are your goals and, and your ethics and work for your own health, your, you know, your what's wealth, wealth to me is not just money. Wealth is also, you know, your friendships, your relationships, your education, your impact in the community that you're part of. Like that to me is all part of the, what I consider someone to be wealthy, right? Like, do you have time? Like, do you have, do you have awareness? Do you have friendships that people really value you and like have your back? Right. And I think even in the reunion, they talked about, she started to see as like true colors because every time they would go out, he had a problem with someone and I'm like, Oh, like you can be the richest person alive, but if you're an asshole, you're an asshole. Like no one wants to be around you. How is that fun? You know? And it's like, I, I think culturally we have to shift our narrative away from financial wealth as status to like human wealth. Like what is this person growing into? Like, how are they, you know, I just feel like guys, define their value and their self-worth by how much money they make or how much they produce and that's not a good definition of self-worth in my opinion because it's it's very fleeting and it's very temporary 
and to be perfectly honest it's very artificial like money is not mm -hmm. real so like it's important to be ambitious and to be stable but if that's what defines you you know like you go on dating apps guys are like oh like i'm a doctor or oh i'm an engineer i'm like okay like that's cool like it's a, it's a job title but like what are you who are you mm -hmm. um yeah i don't i think that's an important dialogue to have in our general in american culture and then of course south asian culture yeah absolutely um god there was something that was just on the tip of my tongue and now like oh yeah something else that i feel like men are taught to value their self-worth by is the person on their arm like oh, okay yeah. like, how is my eye candy like how does my woman look and like it's like another way of showing up to the event like Shakewood with like in his tesla with all this money that he makes like with his like hot woman or whatever and it's just like it's another way of you just being completely objectified you know and like yeah maybe it feels good for a year for you to be the hot one and then like you realize that you have no respect in your relationship. You have no say. You're basically just a prop that's going to be moved around. Yeah. Like, and he's commodifying women, right? Yeah. So that's honestly the most Indian thing about him is that he's like <laughs> using women as props. I'm like, okay, like that's, I guess, in you somewhere. Wait, I have a question for you though. How do you define a category for Indian guy oh. or whatever you said? <laughs> yeah, so the category for Indian man, there's like four categories, is like the brown guy who like dates only like white women it's kind of like this like status symbol for himself um and like you know like uses his culture kind of appropriates his own culture to kind of right like if a, if a white girl puts a sari on it's hot but if a brown girl puts a sari on it's disgusting like kind of like that like that broy that broy mentality and like you know like you ask him what his interests are and it's like i want to go DJ or go to a club or a bar in my thirties, like cool, do you? But um, there's not like a lot of depth. Like there's no like self awareness or depth or like I just feel like it's the it's the it's the guy that like has like bottle service and like you know it's just like it's like the typical guy and and I hope that the underneath I always thought that maybe underneath there's something more, but it's not. It's just very flashy, very like image focused, very Leo energy like you know, just like all about how things, how things look and how they appear to everyone else. And actually like, no, when you go home, there's like empty, like, it just feels, I feel like it feels empty to me. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong. Like I have plenty of people who are other race in my family. Like there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's how you approach it, right? Like to dismiss your, an entire group of people for someone else is weird to me, you know? So I don't know. I just, that's how I, that's how I define it. Category four, like the guy at the bar, that's just like broy and cheesy and like just says slurry things and, you know. Yeah. And like, that's why there's like always this kind of ongoing conversation in like feminist spaces or whatever about how like men, like what men think is attractive is never attractive to, to women like and like obviously this is all very heteronormative because we were talking yeah, yeah of course yeah totally but like like there's always this idea of like men think that this is what we think is hot and then they're like oh wait like what 
like women or femmes think is hot is actually a completely different person is maybe someone who's more like in touch with their emotions someone who can like make you laugh someone who has like a completely different set of like you can they can just be mature you can have conversations with them they care about your interests whereas like in so many other and like it almost makes sense when you think about like what life looks like for our ancestors even our parents or our grandparents it was like okay well the woman stays at home but the man is more outward facing he has to kind of live up to this like societal norm he has to you know like make money and blah 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 whereas like we have to go along with their decisions so hopefully they make good decisions but like that's not something that like women were included in right so like in in a weird twisted way like we were talking about it kind of makes sense the thought process that brought our parents to the point that they were at where like, they're like, okay, this is what makes sense. This is what makes a good partner. But yeah. like life has changed so much since then. And that's just not it anymore. And there's so yeah. much more room for us to actually be individuals and for us both to exist in the world together. You know what the funny thing is, is that I feel that we're all born with this innate knowing of our power and our strength and our intuition and and we trust ourselves right we we know we're gonna be born and in my observation it's like i just have been like my work for the year has been self-trust and trust but i've just been observing like so many women who are incredible okay like any anyone you go in history that's in history you look at how they got there it's because some woman sacrificed this is very of course like you know, heteronormative, but some woman sacrificed herself for this person to get there, right? Like, I love Barack, but without Michelle, like, who was raising his kids? Who was, you know, ironing his suit? Who was allowing him, allowing him the capacity to be gone for weeks at a time and still have this family life, right? Like, men can have it all at the expense of women. And so, like, even Gandhiji, right? Like, loved him for a lot of things, but, like, he woke up one day and decided he didn't want to have sex anymore, and told his wife, like, he's going to do this thing without any, like, dialogue or consideration from her. And she just, like, okay, like, rejected her own needs and values or whatever she, I mean, we don't know. But, like, it just frustrates me because I I feel like, I, I, I don't know if it's because I'm 35 or what happened, but people have stopped asking me about my marriage status. And I, it's kind of just, like, it happened. It just happened so quickly. And I'm, like, I was laughing. I was at a family wedding this weekend. No one asked me. And I was like, oh, this is why. Because, like, I am, like, really, I know myself really well now. And it's, I I trust myself a lot. And it's really hard to pull shit over someone if they know themselves. And I I don't think that that's, like, I think that this means that whoever I end up meeting or partnering with in the future will have capacity for someone with this strength. And I do think who I have dated in the past you know, we played a lot of dynamics of me being quiet and smaller than I really felt comfortable being. And, and I, I I wonder, like, what in our culture, is it American culture? Is it South Asian culture? Is it just women as a whole? Like, who taught us this, like, silent labor phenomenon? Like, I don't understand where it came from. And, and I'm, I'm not going to just, I mean, there's not, I'm not saying, like, I'm not bashing men. There are really good men. And I don't think it's anything of their fault. It's just how our society has played into this capitalistic like flow. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's power and beauty to it. And it worked for some, some ways, but there's definitely a room for a lot of evolution, right? Like, it's just like, what happens if you let a woman actually 
like have her voice be heard like what what is what are we capable of you know and and it's a curiosity that I really um I just I'm like really excited about seeing how that plays out yeah definitely and I mean I think that like the answer to that question could go on forever but like at least in our or I can speak for myself like in my life I definitely watched you know my mom do those things like labor at home or, or kind of stress out if we had guests coming over. And in some ways there was a pretty equal dynamic with my parents, but in other ways, like, you know, I mean, even with like my grandparents, like I, you know, my, my grandmother passed away when I was 16 and my grandfather, like he learned to cook a little bit and he learned to like make his chai and things like that. But for the most part, like there was just like another you know, woman from the community or people who would like drop off food. And at first I thought like, oh yeah, this makes sense. You know, she just passed, but like up until he passed recently, like there was always someone kind of cooking for him or or doing some of that with the bigger meals. And I can understand in some ways because he obviously was getting older, you know, but at the same time, like if it was a woman and her husband had passed, like there would be a bigger chance that she would have to cook for herself or she would have to move in with her kids and be the one cooking for everyone. Like what? And so there's like these things that we have in our society where things are just accepted and it's like oh like you you wouldn't want him to like lift a finger right or like yeah you know you like instantly become a man when every yeah when all your parents friends come over and then you have to like like not just make everything and not just carry everything and present everything and do it gracefully and don't be loud when you're walking around because that's not womanly but then you have to like serve everyone in order, you know, and I get serving elders first, but like, no, you have to serve the men first and then yeah. the women. It's just, yeah. it and, never and there's no, like, there's nothing wrong with service that I, I feel like I'm very nurturing. I'm very warm. I'm, yeah. I'm all about, like, I want to get back to my elders and I love these values. Like I have those values, mm-hmm. but I don't want to spend them at the expense of myself. So like when I was volunteering in India, I went for a walk with this woman in the village and I remember we're walking and, and just like along the street and I was just asking, I always ask my patients, people I meet, like, you know, like, what is, you know, like, tell me something fun about yourself from your childhood or what makes, what makes your heart happy or, you know, what, what do you think love is? I always ask these like random questions and I'm always impressed with the answers. And this woman's like, oh, like, that's such a childish question. She's like, you know, once you get married, you let go of all, all of everything that you want. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah, like, she's like, and, and it's so, it was like, you know, like that spark in someone's eye, like you're a coach, I'm a coach. Like you see that spark in someone's eye when they like realize themselves. I love that. Like, I, I love seeing that on dates. I love seeing it in client relationships. I love seeing it in my patients when they like recognize themselves, you know, it's such a beautiful thing. And it breaks my heart when it's gone. And like, I remember you know, I was working with women, I worked in brothels, all these places. And it's like, there's just such beautiful hearts and spirits, such like broken, like the light was gone. And she said this to me sincerely. She's like, oh, she's like, you know, you have to be careful if you have too many dreams or an opinions, no one's going to marry you. As if it was like a curse. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like, I don't want to marry someone I can't have opinions with. Like, I, I, I don't want to agree with everyone. I don't want to like, I'm not some vessel of a human. Like I, you know, I, I know it's very privileged to say this, but like, I I am privileged. I want to take advantage of that privilege. You know, like my mom didn't sacrifice her life for nothing, you know, and, and I don't want to sit here and be like a pinata for someone else, you know, like beautiful on the outside stuff with 
whatever they want. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just like, don't know where that comes from and I don't know how to shift it, but I, I'm really excited because I feel like it's starting to shift. You know, these conversations are happening with male friends. Like I've talked to so many guy friends about love is blind and it's been amazing because they recognize themselves and they're like, wow, like, that guy still thinks that way. Like, you know, he's 35. Like it's like, he's like 21, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, um, I'm grateful for that reason for the show that it's such a lighthearted way to have really deep dialogue. That's so true. Yeah, it really is. And um, I forgot my train of thought again. Um, oh, I was, I can't remember the first thing I was going to say, but I do want to talk about just like how you're starting to build that trust again or build that relationship up again. Or even when it comes to like dating, like how do you feel like you are trusting yourself throughout the process of dating and like honoring yourself? Because you also have to balance that with like giving people the benefit of the doubt. You just have to figure out what that balance is for yourself. Totally. I, I feel like before... By before, I meaning like a few, like pre-pandemic, a few years ago, I, I was dating. I've always been very open-minded. I, I tend to see the best in people. Um, but I think I had a lot more reserve for like me adapting myself to someone. And I feel like good or bad, like now I don't really want to apologize for who I am. And, and I'm not perfect. Like I'm very honest about that. Like this is where I'm at now. I don't know where it's going to evolve into. This is what I've been through. So I'm learning from this. Like I want to meet people who have that kind of self-awareness and capacity to be reflective. I don't want to be someone's trophy and accomplishment. Like my check boxes have changed, right? Like they're not like before, I think it was like, be tall, be a doctor, like well-educated, like be whatever. Now it's like, be jolly, have a good attitude, (laughs) like be introspective, be curious. Um, and so, yeah, I think like it's a lot more open in that sense. Like I really am curious about someone's character and like, can I see this old guy walking around like the neighborhood with me in matching sweatsuits at 90? Like that's what I want, you know? Aww. And if that's a no, then that's, it's fine. Like I'm, I amuse myself plenty. So it's like, if you add to my life, if you don't, then it's no big deal. Like I'm okay. Really like, you know, I'm not in a place of um, needing to be filled by anyone, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. which shifts, I think, a lot of things, you know, and, and um, I think in my personal life, you know, uh, I'm a caregiver for my dad right now. My He was widowed a few years ago. And I think uh, the, the, the duty of being a good daughter and, and, and the conflict I feel as a, as a woman who's, you know, learning, it's, it's, it's just been a really interesting self-reflection period for me to be like, okay, like there's no good and bad. You have to trust yourself. You have to believe in this. You have to, it's, it's, it's not unloving to love yourself, you know, and, and it might hurt people's feelings because you're not going to be so accommodating. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like an overnight process. It is a process. And then I'm still going through it and figuring it out. And there's little ways that I affirm that I'm like, doing like I'm following my instincts a lot of it's just being really aware of my body you know like what I'm feeling in my body yeah embodiment is such a big part of it and like your body will instantly tell you if you feel safe or not you know yeah. so I, I think following that lead is like won't really steer you wrong um but 
I loved what you said. And I think it's been such a journey for me as well, because I've basically grown up through all of my 20s in my relationship. And so it's been interesting for me to see how my self-trust has grown even within a relationship as well. And like, kind of, I loved what you said about like, you don't want to be the pinata or even just now, like, you know, just being a vessel for someone else to like, put their ideas and their interests into, and then you just kind of show up, you know, and that was something that I wouldn't say like my relationship ever started like that, but like, it was easier for me to, I don't know, like, we were around like my friends and stuff a lot and living more of like my life. So I wouldn't say that was exactly true. But there were places where I was like, oh, like I, I felt like I could abandon myself if I wanted to, where I felt like, you know, I don't know how to like really explain this feeling. Yeah. I guess. Um, but like now I've, I've just noticed the shift when the trust is there. I think that's yeah. the biggest thing for me is like when it wasn't there, I just felt like I'm floating or I felt like I was stuck a lot of the time or I would even use the relationship as an excuse not to do things that I wanted yeah. to do. And now like we actually had a conversation like, six or eight months ago where we were like we have both used the relationship as a way to like stop ourselves from pursuing interests or doing this and that because it would take more time away from each other and we've both really given ourselves and each other permission to like do whatever we want like and pursue our interests and so I'm like planning on traveling solo a little bit later this year which I'm super excited for and you know different things like I just I feel like when you know that you trust yourself, like it's, it's almost like a switch that flips. Like you do trust yourselves at different levels at different times, but at the same time, when that switch is flipped and you can really ground into that energy of like, no matter what is going on, I'm still okay. And no matter what anyone else around me wants, like I know what I want for myself. It's so powerful and it truly has enriched my relationship for me to trust myself more. Yeah. And the right partner, I feel like encourages that, right? Like, I think if, if Shake had once asked the, the like, Hey, like, what is your ambitions? Like, what do you want? Like, you know, like, how can I support you? If it, and I think maybe that's where her insecurity kind of, maybe in hindsight, she'll see it. But at the moment, like, maybe she's like, felt so good to be chosen by this like token brown guy, you know, versus really asking herself, like, wait a second, is he like, is he supporting what I want in my family and, and, and respecting like what I, you know, bring to the table. And, and I think that again, that's something that like, I don't think, you know, you're aware of till you're out of it. And like you said, like, you can be in a relationship and have that. I, I don't think you have to be single to like find yourself or trust yourself. Like I think with the right person, you will go through many evolutions and they will still allow space for you to evolve, you know, and still, and love the version of you that they love and love all the versions of you, right? Like they say like to marry someone is to go to a funeral what like every hundred times or something, right? Like that person mm-hmm. is constantly changing. And so if you're marrying someone based off of a superficial checklist, you're gonna be very disappointed because people change constantly. You know, and, and that's why and we're not in a lifestyle anymore where people wanna withstand that things are hard, right? Like it's you don't have to, why would you? And yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, my second point quickly, just to wrap up, is when you said that, I was chuckling because growing up, I swear, every auntie, including my mom, would say, like, you have to get married young or it's going to be harder for you to adapt. Meaning, mm-hmm. like, get married 20 to 23 years old so you can, like, shape. So you'll, you'll get more stubborn. So you're already stubborn and you get more stubborn as you get older. 
yeah, and I, I just remember like even boyfriend's moms telling me that, right? They're like, oh, like do it faster. So it's like always a, a rush. Like I never just dated to date. I always dated to marry. So like, I just automatically, I'm like, is this guy gonna be a good dad? Is that, I just like let so much go because I'm like, okay, well, I'll just adapt, I'll adapt, I'll adapt, I'll adapt. And like culturally, that's what's what you do, right? You just like keep letting things go because it's a husband um, versus I wish like I had room to date openly in like high school and college and like bring guys and see them in situations that aren't comfortable or see them at home or have them come to dinner and like, like my white friends would have boyfriends in sixth grade and they would like have dinner at their house. And I was like, what? Like I hid all my relationships until I was in college. Like until I knew I was going to marry someone, they didn't come home. And that's a lot of pressure on a 22 year old. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know if I want to, like, I don't even know how I'm going to change yet. And and I think that there's no right or wrong. It's work for some people, you know, but I just feel like I felt so scared to like be myself because I spent so much of my life suppressing myself, you know? Yes. I, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you no, know? you're good. Yeah, it's good. That's exactly how I felt when I was in that 21, 22 year old age range, like graduating college, like, okay, your life is starting. And I didn't, I thought that was going to be like me ending all of these like family pressures. And yet it was me stepping into unknowingly a whole slew of other family pressures. And that was the one thing that really messed with my parent with my head that my parents kept saying is they were like, oh, like you have to get married soon. And I was like, okay, well, good thing I have a partner. But then they were like, oh, but you know, you have to make sure that this is the right one because like you can't get divorced. You can't change your mind. Like you have to blah, blah, blah. And hearing stuff like that and having to decide like, okay, this is the person they're going to meet my parents because we're getting married. Like when your relationship isn't at that place because you're not at that place, like it just turns into this like umbrella of pressure that you literally can't escape. And then it adds so much frustration and anxiety into that relationship, you know, because if you have one fight or if you have one thing that goes wrong, it's like, oh my God, like, see, we can't get married. I'm not going to get married. You're not the perfect one. And then, you know, and then your parents also don't teach you like how do you navigate those conflicts with the person you're supposed to be with the rest of your life you know they like don't a lot of them haven't gone through that themselves in terms of navigating it in a healthy way so they don't know what to teach you and it's something that it's like if you want this to be a long-term thing we have to know that we're both going to be upset with each other we have to know how to like navigate through these different emotions and that's where I think even outside of South Asian society that's where like American society comes in and says oh or like just modern day society like oh if he makes a mistake you know like you can't be together or if you know he does this and obviously like it it depends you should have high standards for yourself like that's what this whole conversation is about yeah but at the same time like everyone's a human and like no one's gonna I'm not gonna get into a relationship and the other person says if you make a mistake we're and we're breaking up I'd be like that's toxic for you to even say that that's toxic because and you're gonna inevitably you're gonna irritate each other like that's like part of the process and I think I think one of the biggest myths I didn't realize is like, I, I didn't know it's okay to fight in relationships. And so mm-hmm. like when, you know, I'm like, if I, but if I don't fight, that means I'm agreeing with everything and like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense. You know? And it's like, we're going to fight. We're going to disagree on things. And like, you're, you're going to have bad days and I'm going to have bad days. And, and it's how we repair, how we come back, like how we, are we kind to each other when we're angry, you know, or do we go low? And, and, that that to me is like more telling um but like I said like you know it's hard like I think 
dating to marry. That's how I was raised. Now that I'm like talking to you about it, I'm like, oh, this is why like, I just can't have a hobby that I don't make money off of. Right. Like I don't like nothing can just be, like, you can't just take a nap to like take a nap. Right. So like you can't just travel solo without a purpose. I mean, I did all these things, but I was like really conflicted. So I was like, everyone's like, what's your purpose? What are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm like an oddball, but like all my friends, like, like they're traveling solo to like build a podcast or work on a startup or do something with an objective versus just learning. Right. Like I want to just date to like figure this person out and marriage is like a cool, but, you know, addition if that gets there, but like now I'm like, marriage is not the end all be all for me at this point. Like there's ways to be committed and, and really be careful and, and know what we're doing, you know, versus like the pressure to just, okay, check, 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 check. I'm going to marry you. Like check, check, check. I'm going to go to college. Like there's no boy university. I wish there was, but there's not, you know, and like there's no Costco return policy. So, you know, it's like dating is really important because you learn how to navigate your wants, your needs, like, your curiosities you know you figure things out and I think when I dated interracially as a child or dated guys my parents didn't like like it puts so much pressure because we got in one fight to me I was like I'm willing to sacrifice everything for you this is like a 17 year old boy who's like what (laughs) like I didn't understand that right it's a lot of pressure and I'm like that that sense of like um I, I guess at that age, like, I didn't know what to trust, right? Is it like, you know, you're figuring it out. And uh, looking back, I'm like, oh, like, I just didn't, like, I didn't even know how to ask the right things. Or it was just so serious. And I just wanted to have fun. You know, I didn't even know that I could do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love that you said that. That hit the nail on the head with so many different things in my life, like having to have a purpose or a reason why you do something. Yeah. But also with where my relationship anxiety has fully stemmed from. Like, and it all comes back to self trust. This is why I love self trust so much because yeah. you don't need everything to be perfect when you trust yourself. But also, like, with relationship anxiety, a lot of it was, you know, like, are we going to get married? Are things going to be perfect? Are we going to yeah. have this? of money are we going to have this kind of life are we going to be able to go to the family functions like yeah there's so many things that immediately come up and it just gets so like it's like of, of course you can't enjoy yourself and relax and like enjoy where you are in this relationship because you're not giving yourself permission to like look at the present you're looking at the future and then that's where a million and one what ifs come into play you have yeah. no idea like what the answer to any of those questions could be and leaving things open-ended go kind of going back to how like South Asian families will want you to have a purpose or a reason behind everything you do. Leaving things open-ended is what allowed me to a just be more present, but like be find, find that trust in myself or find, be surprised by the universe. Learn how, like that was how I learned to trust the universe was because I didn't try and control everything. I didn't say, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm getting out of it and how and and it took so much work for me to stop doing that and like that's how I approached all of my manifestations was like okay well I'll allow it to come to me however but I also need it at this time and I need it this way and it's like it's such a joke on us because it never works out that way and then I'd be like why why am I just bad at manifesting or am I not high vibe enough and it's like no man you're not leaving anything up to the universe or anything up to like this magic of being surprised and having that amount of trust in yourself is like, that's what guides you. That can be that anchor and that purpose that guides you on this windy path of life. 
Yeah. And I love that you said that you tied the self-trust to this like intuition or like this, you know, spiritual knowing, because I feel like all the woo-woo witchy like words people want to use, like it's almost to like shame us from knowing that power, you know, and, and, and my logical brain did deny this for a long time, but there is like wisdom in tools like tarot and Reiki and coaching and astrology and the moon. And like, I mean, if, if the mother nature is a reflection of us, then it makes total sense that our bodies and our spirits reflect the nature, right? Like the, the universe and, and the moon cycles. And, you know, for me personally, part of my self-trust journey is also really like sinking back into that flow and, and accepting it, you know, and like, and surrendering to it, to be honest, you know, that this masculine need to control and checkbox and perfect and, and accomplish, like, that's what arranged marriage has been and dating has been for so long. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, like flowing back into my feminine, flowing back into my body, like, relaxing. It's like, oh, like, it's, 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 I think it scares people, because there's a lot of unknown, it's, it, it feels risky. But I feel like, if you you are the greatest relationship you have with anyone is it's you with yourself and so don't you want to be careful with that like don't you want to like really dig deep and 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 take a big risk for someone who's worth that you know like i i think we we're so fearful of seeing our worth given back to us and, and i think we accept a lot of things that you know i'm guilty of too but we accept a lot that we shouldn't because we were told we're supposed to and I, yeah. I think that is, for me personally, one of my biggest shifts is like, no, like, like I am worthy and it's not necessarily of the things people tell me that I need to have. It's what I truly, in my heart, like what I want to feel when I'm with someone. Yes, I love that. And just to go off of that even more, like my relationship anxiety would have been in the ground if I didn't like trust myself enough to be in the relationship and to stay but it like the reason that there was so much friction was because like he was reflecting my worth back to me or he was reflecting like I see you as enough and that made me so freaking uncomfortable I was like no I need to yeah, work and have five side <laughs> and make all this money and create this reputation and be this person and I was putting so much pressure on myself that I didn't even realize because like someone loving me that much without me having to do anything made me deeply uncomfortable because like our parents like you couldn't even just sit in your home on the weekend it was like why aren't you doing chores you're being lazy what are you doing like oh get God. turn off the tv yes. and do this and like no, my idea we of relaxing is cleaning. What? My idea of relaxing is cleaning. Like my friends yeah. are in front of me, but like I'm like, oh my, what are you doing Saturday morning? Like it was like a hobby. Like it was like, like cleaning is a hobby. It's so mm -hmm. sad, but it's so true. I'm laughing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, but you also can't have too much fun and be out too much of the time and yeah. leave the house twice a week, you know. And so, but yeah, like it, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so even, true I'm just laughing I'm like oh yeah I've heard that yeah like you can be at home but you can't be lazy but you can go out but not too much it's like what do you want like no wonder we have my this first adulting thing was like like when I go to college I'm gonna eat in my bed like a bowl of cereal yeah, yeah. and I'm like, I thought it was like the biggest rebellion and I was like I felt bad doing it I don't even enjoy doing it but I just wanted the freedom to do it because mm -hmm. I never had that you know that chance so exactly funny. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, it is funny. And, but like the thing is though, it, that those physical traps that we feel like we've escaped are still mentally present. And that's mm -hmm. why, like, unless you really do take the action to like actively reconstruct or deconstruct and rebuild the beliefs that you have, they're still in there somewhere. And like, if yeah. you have any sort of low level anxiety or kind of like a constant chatter, constant negative self-talk, feelings of guilt, like those are all the things that like, I just, I, I thought that was just life. Like I was just used to feeling that was my baseline. Yeah. And finally, after growing away from some of those things, even though they still come back, like I'm not like past it by any means, but I've evolved so much to the point where I can let go and I can yeah. just let things be and I can let myself be, but that yeah. was impossible before. Yeah. And I, and I think that, that integration and, and that awareness of so the integration, like allows you to just really like and ideally in these pods they they would have just felt like does this person feel safe do i feel you know fully myself do i feel seen or do i feel wounds opening up right do i feel like this is like you know satiating this like lack wound i have or this you know like being chosen like and it sounds so weird and woo woo but like when you have that awareness of yourself like i've definitely gone on dates and i'm like oh this person's very nice but like my body feels like it's like on fire and I'm like, okay, this is like a no, you know? And, and it's just like that, like when I can ease into my body, I'm like, I know I found my people, you know, like that's how I know I am where I need to be. And, um, and I think that's, you know, the, the work that I do, I think you do similar work is like that embodiment and that integration work is so important for developing this self-trust tool because we all have it, but we don't, we don't know how to hone it. You know, we don't, yeah. we're not or given absolutely. any time to practice unless we're in these dire stressful situations, you know? And, and um, I think it's just so important. Like we put labels like divorce or failure and all these things in ourselves and it gives us so much shame, but like really like all of those things, like whatever, all the failures that we go through are such beautiful teachers and, and they really allow you like real time experience and wisdom to know your body and to know your, your heart and to really, you know, step into it. And, and it's a, it's a journey. It's a process. It's, it's not like a accomplishment you can check off of as a box. I wish it was, trust me. It's frustrating. So much easier. Like, oh my God. Yes. It's my right side. My, my right brain is like, I'm a Capricorn. I'm like, I just want it to be done. And I'm like, Oh, like level up next lesson, level up next lesson. And like my reaction period and my awareness grows and that's it. You know, like it's all you can really do is be better. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, do you want to share a little bit about what you do and where people? Oh, can yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This will be uh, also on the podcast. Just say your Instagram name. So. Oh, yes. This um, I'm Roshni. You can find me at follow the Roshni. And we have the same name. It means light, which I think is very fitting for us both. And I work as an integration coach and I do a lot of um, I kind of combine practices for each, you know, one on one training and coaching and working more on this self-trust embodiment, just kind of getting back into our inner child and reconnecting and healing those wounds. Um, and, you know, I feel like that also ties into a lot of multiple facets of our health, our emotional well-being, our family dynamics, um, our relational, you know, leadership and, and how we navigate uh, trauma and how we navigate dialogue and conflict. So it kind of taps into all of that. You know, coaching is so customized um, but yeah, that's how you can find me. And I'm based in Chicago. So if you're ever here, I'd love to visit and have 
coffee or recommendations and yeah that's how you can find me it's pretty easy <laughs> awesome yeah. yeah and thank you so much for joining me and doing this live um yeah this is so fun about this yeah um, and then before we go, I also just want to remind anyone watching that um, or listening that Not Your Betty is still open until April 9th. So um, that's my course on self-trust for South Asian women. And it's really, and FEMS as well. And it's really just about using things like embodiment techniques, using, you know, just our community and what we can harness when we're in a room together on this healing journey. Like, I feel like so many of us heal in isolation or, you know, then we might have some friends that we heal with, but then they're not South Asian and things like that. So having like just a group of incredible women and femmes together in one place doing this healing work, like it's just next level. And it's something that honestly the world needs more of like, yeah. Yeah. And so um, it's open until April 9th. There's payment plans. There's also half scholarships available if you feel like that would fit for you. Um, But yeah, everything's going to be linked down in the um, show notes below or in the link in my bio if you're watching this on Instagram. But um, I will also link everything that Roshni mentioned in the show notes as well. That's awesome. That's the course I think we all needed growing up. So that's totally cool that you're doing that. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited for the next iteration of it. And um, I'm excited for all your embodiment work too. Like my healing journey, like I was healing for a long time, but everything changed when I found embodiment work. Like it truly is like lightning speed when it comes to healing and you just access deeper parts of yourself. Yeah. And and I really resisted it for so long. Um, And I'm so cerebral. Like I, I, I can really like articulate my thoughts really well but my body is so uncomfortable and it still is. I'm still in this journey myself and, and, you know, picking up new tools like Reiki and picking up new tools like, you know, tarot and Akashic records and all these things. I, I kind of just surrender myself to all of this wisdom. And, you know, it's, it's such a, it's such an incredible because your body does not lie. It holds, it holds so much and it really is exhausting hard work. Um, and it's, it's really is doing the work and, and, I'm more of a person like walk the walk, don't talk the talk. And so I really feel like this has been such a beautiful um, wisdom to gain in my practice and to offer others. And I really just love seeing everyone's, you know, that sparkle in your eye. I want to see that intuition light up. So, yeah. It's really the best thing to see in anyone. Um, Yeah. That's why we have our name. That's why I love you. (laughs) You're so right. Again, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you everyone who watched. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Thank you so much, as always, for joining me for another episode of Is It Worth It? If you've been enjoying this episode and think it would be helpful for others, please make sure that you rate and review the podcast. It really helps me so, so much in supporting the podcast and helping it reach new audiences. And if you are able to write a review and email me a screenshot at hello at betigrewup.com, you'll be able to receive 10% off of any of my single session services. So that includes single session self-worth coaching and single session tarot readings. All links to my other content, my services are all going to be in the show notes below. Thank you again so, so much. I deeply appreciate your listenership and I hope you have a beautiful day ahead.